0: Father, we, uh, once again, we want to thank you that you sent your Son, that you loved us so much, that you've provided a, a way for us to be delivered from the power of sin and from death. And so, Lord, as we spend this time today just remembering what you've done and rejoicing in the resurrection of our God, we want to commit our times into your, into your hands here right this morning. And I want to lift up every person here. Lord, the many believers that are here that have already received and understand what Jesus has done and and accepted him into their lives. And so we pray that there just be a deeper revelation of that coming today, of your amazing love for us and your goodness that you've shown towards us. And we lift up maybe those that are guests here today that are not sure, really don't know quite where they stand with you. We pray that as I share this morning, their eyes and their understanding will be open and that, Lord, their hearts will be ready to receive you. And so we commit our time into your hands. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And I want to say that if you're a visitor here today, you've come because of an invite. Um, Maybe you just come randomly because it's Easter Sunday and you thought you'd come to church. We want to welcome you here. I tell you, God is in the house. God is so real and he loves you so much. And today he wants to speak to you. So would you just put off any preconceptions, any maybe assumptions and just open up your heart and say, Well, God, if you are real, if you really exist, I want to know you and I've got an open mind. Would you do that for us this morning? Because God is here and he does want to speak to you. And uh, we are so pleased that you're here. So welcome. Okay. As I say, this is our Easter service where we're commemorating the the core message of the, uh, the whole Christian faith. We're celebrating probably, well without doubt really, without doubt, the greatest event in history. The greatest event in history. I mean, the timeline, A, D, B, C, is all marked by what Jesus did on the cross. And we're also celebrating and recognizing the greatest miracle that the world has ever seen. This is a significant time. And we need to remind ourselves that sometimes when you've been a Christian for a while, you take these things for granted. But it's a really good opportunity today and just remind ourselves of that. We're talking about a very real event, an historical event that is a genuine historical record that actually happened. You know this Bible. We haven't got time to go on it today. But historians will say without doubt. Secular historians, not Christian historians. This is a valid historical document. It stands up against ancient texts of, that tell us about the history of the world. Um, in terms of its validity, its integrity. It stands above other documents that tell us all about history. The Roman days, the Greek days. Um, it, is, it is so relevant and it is so true. It's not just a story that's been made up by man. We must understand that, the validity of God's word. We know it's divinely inspired. We accept it by faith. But it is actually, as a historical document, absolutely genuine and a real record of what actually happened. So probably the, it is, would be the most outstanding historical document that the world has on any topic. So we need to establish that right from. us. So we're talking here about a real event, that Christ died. Physically died on the cross and that he physically rose again. Not some story. Not some made up thing. It's an amazing claim and it is an amazing truth. And really it is one of the key things that separates Christianity from every other religion. That our God is alive. He defeated death and he alive. This is key to our Christian faith. And we should celebrate it. We should be proud about it. We should declare it whenever we have a chance. So that's what we're going to focus on. We're going to focus... We could do many things today on his burial, his death, his burial. But we're really going to focus on the fact that he's risen, his resurrection. This is where the power comes. And so um, we're going to look today at, it's recorded throughout the Gospels and referred to throughout the rest of the New Testament. It's prophesied in the Old Testament. These are things that happened, were written hundreds, 700,000 years before. Prophesied. Another Another a key reason why the, uh, that confirms the validity of Scripture is prophecy. But anyway, these are a genuine eyewitness accounts. We're going to look today from Matthew's Gospel, mainly from Matthew's Gospel there. And to go over this, and this is a story that most of you know, but I want to look at it again to create a foundation for what we're going to talk about today. The background here is that um, we know that, uh, just to give you some context, is that God created everything. He created man to occupy the world. And um, primarily to have a relationship with us. That's why he created us. He's starting with Adam and Eve uh, in the Garden of Eden. We all know the story. But he gave man a free will. And Adam and Eve, we know, had a choice to either obey God and to choose to follow him or to do their own thing. Well, they rebelled. And sin came into the world. When they disobeyed God, sin came into the world. And it separated um, Adam and Eve and then all people since from God. It was never God's intention. He created us to have a relationship, of course. And right throughout the Old Testament, we read about God's dealing with mankind to try and bring them back to himself. But really, he had a master plan. And the master plan from the beginning of time was, because by his foreknowledge, he knew what was going to happen, was to send his only son. And about 2,000 years ago, he sent Jesus Christ into the world to provide a way for man to restore that relationship with him. And um, as I say, it had been predicted through the Old Testament. And even Jesus himself clearly stated when he was, before he went to the cross, he was telling his people, his followers, his disciples, why he was there. And in Matthew 20, verses 18 and 19, we read, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. He said, we are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man, that was a title he used for himself, the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and to the teachers of the law And they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And on the third day, he'll be raised to life. So Jesus himself stated this. So Jesus, the son of God, became and lived as a real man, born of a virgin and sent by God on a mission to save the world. And he grew up and around about 30 years of age, Jesus started his ministry on earth. He started preaching and performing miracles Uh, You can read about that, as I say, in the Gospels of the New Testament. The religious leaders of the day, the Jewish religious leaders of the day, were threatened by him, and they were angry at him. They were jealous of him, and so they made false accusations against him in order to have him killed. And then they arrested him, handed him over to the Roman rulers. As I say, I'm just giving you a summary here to leading up to the point. Uh, They handed him over to the Roman rulers to be sentenced to death. And in those days uh, of the Roman rulership, their death of choice, if you like, was crucifixion. A cross, people getting nailed to it and dying a very cruel and painful death. And so that was how Jesus was to die. And so they, got, they arrested him and they got sentenced to death, even though he had done absolutely nothing wrong. And he was nailed to the cross through his hands, through his feet. And he died a, a very cruel and painful death. And even when he died on the cross, just to make double sure, they grabbed a spear and they cussed it into his side. And the blood and the water came out, which is the serum. They didn't know that in those days, but doctors will tell us now that's what happens when you die. So Jesus was died on the cross. And after he died, they took his body and they put it in a tomb that had been carved out of the rock. And Roman soldiers guarded the tomb. And on Sunday, a couple of Jesus' woman followers um, arrived and visited the tomb and found the stone covering to the entrance rolled away and the tomb empty and Jesus gone. So I now want to read the story. I'll tell you from Matthew's Gospel. Matthew 28, 1-10, 16-17. After the Sabbath, at the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they turned and And stood, shook, and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, he has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead, and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, now I have told you. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy. And ran to tell his disciples. And suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. And they came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, where they'll see me. Then we move on to verse sixteen. And then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, and when they saw him, they worshipped him. And interestingly, but some doubted. Now, I want to pick up the story in the Gospel of John. Okay, this is uh, looking at it from another perspective, from John's Gospel, and it's picking up further on the story in chapter 20, verses 19 to 20 and 24 to 31. On the evening of the first day of the week, the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now Thomas, who was one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, He said, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here in my hands. Reach out and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said, My Lord and my God. And then Jesus said to him, Because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing... You may have life in his name. A marvelous eyewitness account that we read there so clearly about Jesus rising from the dead. As I say, these are genuine historical records of witnesses of the day. They're recorded so we may believe. And that was passed down to the others that followed, particularly the Apostle Paul. He confirmed it, and we'll read just one more scripture here just to confirm this from 1 Corinthians 15, 3-7. He says, Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That's according to the Old Testament who prophesied it. He died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And he was buried, and then he was raised on the third day, just according to the Scriptures. And he appeared to Cephas. Cephas is the Greek word for Peter. So he appeared to Peter, and then to the Twelve. And after that, he appeared more than 500 of the brothers to more than 500 witnesses. In a court today, you can be found guilty or not guilty on two witnesses. 500 witnesses, over 500 witnesses of brothers and sisters at the same time. Most who are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. So Jesus, without doubt, was seen. He was the risen God that couldn't stay in the grave. Death could not hold him down. He rose from the dead. What a miracle. What a miracle. This is central. If he didn't rise from the dead, we have no faith. We have no hope. We're all wasting our time. But he is alive. He did rise. So what does this mean for us? That's the question. You might say, well, that's all very good. But what does it mean for us? And that's the key question we want to look at today. It's all about God's love for us and wanting to restore us back to a living relationship with him. Okay? See, there is a God. We just didn't come from evolution. We're not here by accident. We are unique. We're made in the image of God. And he created us. For a relationship. To have friendship with us. And he has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of our lives. But he gave us a free will. He just didn't want to make robots. He wanted people that wanted to willingly know him and worship him and love him. So we've got a choice. To make that or to do our own thing. The original man, Adam, he decided that he wanted to try and do his own thing. And the Bible calls this sin. That's the word we sin for. Disobeying God. And because he did that, sin then made its way into the what we could draw the spiritual DNA of all mankind. So we're built, there's an inbuilt sin nature that has to be dealt with in all people. And it's the sin separates us from God. See, God is totally perfect, totally perfect. And, um, and our sin separates us from him because we're not perfect. Isaiah 59 says, Your sin has separated you from God because of sin he has turned his face away from you and will not listen anymore. And in Hebrews 12, 14, it puts it like this. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See, God is holy. Holy, we can just say, means perfect. And heaven is holy and perfect. But we're not. There's a gap. There's a separation here. We're all imperfect. We've all done something wrong. We've all broken God's uh, standards by one degree or another. None of us are holy in our own right. Romans 3:3 confirms this. It says, "For all have sinned and fall short of God's perfect standard. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God." And of course, if we're honest with ourselves. We all know that. We all know we've done something there. Is anyone here perfect? I don't think well, my wife might be, but um, <laughs> but uh, other than her, I think we've all probably done something wrong, haven't we? We've, we've, all, um, we've all we've all done something wrong. It doesn't mean we don't need to. Uh, we don't need to think about that too hard. I don't think. Okay, Romans 3.10 says there is no one righteous. No one righteous, not even one. We've all done something wrong, said a lie, stolen something, had a wrong attitude towards somebody, hated somebody, and so on. So we've got a problem. Our sin has separated us from God. Now, some people aren't concerned about that. They think, well, I don't need God. But the thing is, there are huge consequences, huge consequences, and we need to know about them. Because Romans carrying on says in verse 6:23 for the wages of sin. So we've all sinned, but the wages of sin, we could say the consequences of sin, is death. It's not talking about physical death here. We're all going to die one day physically. It's talking about spiritual death. See, when our our body gets buried or cremated, right? But but our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, and our spirits, they live on forever. And there's only two places. According to the Bible, where our soul and spirit live on forever when we leave this world. One is in heaven with God, which is where he wants us. And the other, unfortunately, is in hell. Now, hell is not a place that he created for human beings. It was for for fallen angels to start with. But that is the consequence. Heaven and hell. There's no third place. We only have those two places where we go when we die. And heaven is a place of absolute perfection. It's where God is. And hell, unfortunately, is a place of eternal suffering and absent from the presence of God. So because of sin, to be perfect, we need to go to heaven, and no one is. Then, unfortunately, we're all, it seems like we're all headed for hell, right? Okay, so we've got a real problem here. But, and some people would say, actually, that, you know, a loving God would never send anyone to hell. Well, he doesn't need to send us there. It's us rejecting him. We send ourselves there. And it's like this, though. It's also a matter of justice. You imagine there's someone that you love, a beautiful, innocent person and. In Unfortunately, they get murdered. But the police catch the murderer. And they bring the murderer before the court and the judge. And the judge says, well, Mr. Murderer, this is a terrible, wicked, evil thing you've done. But because I'm a loving judge, I'm just going to let you off. Now, how would that make us feel? Angry, right? Because we know when someone's done something wrong, they need to be punished. Otherwise, there's no justice. So while God is a God of love, he's also an absolute just God. He doesn't do anything wrong. He is, his integrity is without fault. And so God would have to be just and, uh, and uh, send people and people would have to go to hell for breaking his laws. But the good news is that God and that's what we're celebrating today. That God is a good God and he loves us so much that he doesn't want anyone to go there. And so he has, um, doesn't want to leave us in this situation. In John 3.16 a famous scripture it says for God so loved the world That he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, will not have to go to hell, but can have eternal life in heaven. And this is why he sent Jesus, to make a way out for us. He sent Jesus, and that's why Jesus came to live as a substitute for us and to die as a substitute for us. And that's why he had to live as a a human being. He had to live just as you and I did. In Hebrews 4.15, it says, he was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he was without sin. So he is the only person, person. It's not actually die. It's Jesus is the only person who is without sin in the world. Okay? And so then by him being sinless, he was able then to be the perfect sacrifice for each and every one of us. He lived a perfect life. The only person to have never sinned so he could take the punishment for us. God came to earth and lived as a man, and yet he did not sin. He was perfect and therefore became the perfect sacrifice for all of mankind and then God through his love for us when Jesus died on the cross he placed on him he said all your punishment that you guys deserve I am putting on Jesus on the cross and he can be the sacrifice for you and the penalty of that sin I'm placing on him as well and he'll go to hell in your place and while he was in the on the on the cross and in the tomb for three days that's where he went he went down to hell suffered but then rose again hallelujah Awesome, awesome, awesome. He provided a solution to a problem that we could never, ever, ever solve ourselves. Ephesians 1.5 says this. His unchanging plan, this is God. God's unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by sending Jesus Christ to die for us. He did this because he loves us. You know, while the Pharisees and the, and the religious leaders of the day handed him over and the Romans actually crucified him, this was all part of God's plan. This is not an accident. This was part of his plan to see mankind restored to their relationship with him. He sent Jesus to die so that we don't have to, to die on our behalf. Romans 5.8 says this, that God demonstrated his own love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Easter is the occasion where we celebrate and commemorate what Jesus fulfilled. Starting on Good Friday, we remember Jesus' death on the cross at Calvary. Um, Calvary was a hill just outside the city of Jerusalem, a real place in Israel. Um, He died there, crucified on that hill, and to pay the price and the penalty for our sin, and every sin, in fact, that has ever been committed. He willingly died. He gave his life freely because he loves you. He loves me. No one made him. He freely gave it. It was a willing choice. He knew it was coming. He could have called on legions of angels to save him. But he said, no, these people, without the sacrifice, they're all headed for hell. There is no hope. But I am willing to give up for my life because we love them and we want them to be part of our family. Ephesians 2 says, 12 says that we were without hope and without God. That is the truth. And Jesus was rejected on that cross by his own father. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was absolutely rejected that we could be accepted. He was made sin on our behalf that we could have his righteousness. His right, Righteousness means right standing with God. One Corinthians, sorry, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. That we may become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He was totally innocent. He became sin for us that we may have his right standing with God. That we may be made holy. That we may be per- declared perfect. He took the punishment that we deserved on himself. He did something we could never ever, ever do ourselves. He died so that we could have life. You know, we talked about a judge before. Imagine this, you've done a crime you're before the court and you're guilty it's obvious they find you guilty and so the judge gives you the the punishment the fine but then what happens is that's god then what he does is he gets out of his judge's chair and he walks down beside you puts his arm around you then he writes out the check he says hey, i'm paying it on your behalf you're free to go that's what he's done that's what he's done for us it's absolutely amazing So, he made a way for us to avoid the punishment of hell and get to heaven. He died so that we can have a second chance at life, that we can be adopted into his family. And on Sunday, he rose from the dead, proving that he was God and that everything he said was true and he broke the power of sin and death. And that's why we can have eternal life. Jesus didn't rise from the dead. We've got no eternal life. 1 Peter 1.3 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He's risen. He's alive. Can I have an amen? Uh, Praise God. He defeated and broke the power of sin and death. And he's given us a way to have that relationship that God originally intended from the beginning restored that we can know our God. The question is today, do you want to make peace? Do you want to have your relationship restored with your creator? He's also given us eternal life. Romans 6, 9 says, For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has power over him. He's alive. I hope you can sense the presence of God here this morning in this auditorium you're feeling in your heart something happening That's God that's the presence of God and I tell you what how else I know he's alive not just from what I read I believe that but I experience it I talked to him this morning millions of Christians around the world can tell you he's alive because he's been so real in every one of our lives so we're either deluded or we're telling you the truth or we're trying to deceive you I am sure we're not trying to deceive you okay but it's so real I was a long time as an adult without Christ in my life without, a, without believing and uh, I, know, I know the difference and I know it is the better way and we're hoping you'll make that better way today so what does this mean to us what do we have to do how should we respond how do we receive the forgiveness and take advantage of everything that Jesus has done for us on the cross by dying and rising again How do we receive this eternal life? Jesus has done something absolutely amazing, something we could never do for ourselves, but we have to respond. We have to respond. And Jesus himself declared in um, John 3.3, he says, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom in heaven unless he is born again. So what does that mean? He said, unless you're born again, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus has done something on the cross, but what happens next? Well, he said you must be born again. You must be born again. Born again, not physically. I mentioned before that we have a physical body, but we also have a soul and our spirit. Now, our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. That's fine. But our spirit, that's like really the real you. Okay? That, uh, when, when sin, with sin, it's dead due to sin. So we're spiritually dead. And when we're born again, what happens is that God's spirit comes and lives inside of us. Bible says we become one spirit with the Lord. And so that's what being born again is. Born again spiritually. He comes and lives inside of us. Bible actually calls it like we become like a new creation. It's a new start in life. And we're forgiven of everything we've ever, ever done wrong. So we need to be born again. And how does this happen? What do we need to do? Well, that was a question they asked back in Jesus' time too. In the book of Acts, we can read um, some prison guards asked the, asked the question of Paul and Silas, uh, who are followers of Jesus, who were in the prison. They said to him this in Acts sixteen thirty to 31. They asked, what must we do to be saved? And they replied, you must believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Believe. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That he is God, that he did die, that he did rise again, and he is alive today. Just as I've been talking about and just as I've been explaining. As we read back in those early scriptures, even when they saw him physically, it said, Some believed, but some doubted. And that's the same today. I'm saying, Will you believe? Will you believe? Don't try and understand it. You might have questions in your mind, be, Oh, what about this? What about, what about that? I'm not, I haven't got time to go over it in a huge way today. I'm giving you just the. The, the simple summary, really. Uh, but listen to your heart. Answers to questions will come. Follow your heart today. God is here. He's drawing you. He wants you in his family. He loves you so much. Will you believe? It's a choice. Will you believe? You don't need to understand it all necessarily. It is a, a hard thing to get your hand around that someone's risen from the dead. Will you believe? Jesus is the Son of God. Will you believe the witnesses that we read about? Will you believe the testimony of millions of Christians around the world, of your friend that brought you today? Will you believe? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And Jesus said this. He said, Blessed are those who believe that haven't seen God, haven't seen Him. Some of those people saw Him and they still didn't. So I understand sometimes it's a hard thing. Blessed are you, Jesus said, if you believe even though you haven't seen it's by faith, believing, faith, a step of faith. Are you prepared to take that today? The next thing we find written about being born again is in, also in the book of Acts, chapter 20, verses 21. And it says here, I have declared, this is Apostle Paul speaking, to, uh, speaking again, he said, I have declared to both the Jews and the Gentiles, in other words, to all people, that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in Jesus Christ. Faith is the same as believing. But repentance—that means acknowledging. Hey, yeah, look, I have done wrong. I know I've fallen short of your standard. Please forgive me. I'm prepared to change and turn away from everything I know to be wrong. That's what repentance is actually—a change of heart, a change of mind, a change of attitude. You're following other gods, lying, cheating, stealing, sex out of marriage, envy, hatred—all these things that God disapproves of. Is saying, okay. I'm willing to turn away. Some things we might find hard, but it's a change of attitude to turn a direction and follow God His way. And the third thing we need to do is to surrender our lives to Him. Romans ten nine says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. Once again, we have the faith, the believing part that God raised Him from the dead. But when you say Jesus Christ is Lord, Jesus Christ is Lord. You're saying, Jesus, you are now in charge of my life. You are now the Lord of my life, the boss of my life. You have first place. I surrender my will to you, to follow you and to obey you. People might say, well, that's a hard ask. Is there another way? Can't I just be a good person? Most people, when I've talked to them about the message of, of Easter, And about the resurrection of Jesus and why they need to be saved. They said, well, you know, if there's a heaven, I'm a good person. God will send me there. But remember, no one is good enough. God's standard is so high and so perfect. No one can get there on his own. So being a good person will not get you there. Remember, no one is good enough. Salvation is only found through Jesus Christ. Acts 4.12 says, Salvation is found in no other name. For there is no other name under heaven given to man by which man must be saved. There are not many paths to God. New age thinking secularism will say oh there's many ways to God you know you find your own way there no 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 it's a lie it's a lie there's only one way through Jesus Christ 1 Timothy 2.5 says this there is only one God and that's the God of the Christian Bible it's not Allah it's not Buddha okay it's the Lord Jehovah Yahweh it's Jesus Christ okay there is only one God and there is only one mediator between God and men only one his name is Jesus Christ. The man, Jesus Christ. So you see, we can't earn this. We don't deserve it. It's all due to God's love for us. The Bible talks about His grace. Grace means the undeserved favor of God. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. Ephesians 2.8 says it is by grace, the undeserved favor of God, that we've been saved through faith. We must believe. And that not of ourselves, it is a gift of God. It is the gift of God. And God loves you so much. He's offering this gift to every single person. He wants everyone to accept this gift of salvation, the gift of what he sent his son to do. So do you want the gift? Do you want the gift? You have a free will. It's like when someone gives you a present in the natural. You don't have to accept it. But God is offering you a free gift. He's offering it to you this morning. You're not here by mistake. You're not here by chance. God is offering you that gift this morning as I'm explaining this to you. He doesn't force it on us. Do you want eternal life? Will you believe? Will you take that step of faith? Will you accept Jesus? Have your sins forgiven? Have your relationship with God restored? ensure that when you die you're going to make it to heaven in 1 john 1 9 it says if we confess our sins he is faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness see jesus came he didn't come to condemn us he came to accept us he didn't come to ruin us he came to rescue us he didn't come to put us down he came to lift us up he didn't come to hurt us he came to heal us All these things. He wants the best for us. He came to give us life. And the Bible says life abundant. That's why he came. (laughs) You know, when he died on the cross on the Friday, his disciples were distraught. They thought, here's our Savior, the King of the Jews, the one who's going to rescue us, who's going to create a new kingdom. And here he is. He's He's died on the cross. Did we get it wrong? They were so down, so discouraged. They were without hope. They thought, what, what was all this about? That was on the Friday. But see, this isn't a story about defeat. It's not a story about death. We don't live on Friday. We live on Sunday that he rose and that he's alive. Okay, and there's a lot of people that are living still on Friday. A lot of people are living on Friday. But you don't have to stay there. You know, no one, you might think, oh, you don't know what I've done. No one is bad enough and done enough wrong that God cannot forgive them. There's no one. His work on the cross is complete and full and finished for everyone. You know, many people are bound up by problems, worries of life, fear for living in fear. It's just a hopelessness. What is it all about? People like for me, I had a good life, but I I was just like, what's the purpose? What is the meaning of life? It was just a frustration. Some people are just condemned and and carrying so much guilt about things that have happened to them and things that they've done. Other people have got addictions and bondages. Jesus came to set us free from all that. Many people are caught up in the power of sin, people just are confused. It have got questions. Understandable. But Jesus came to set us free from that. Will you start your journey today? It's not an instant fix. But will you call on the name of the Lord today? He can set you free. He will bring peace even in the times of trouble and turmoil. He will give you strength even when you're weak. He's a wonderful God. He comes and lives inside of us by His Spirit. He makes us new creations. He gives us a second chance at life. He's awesome. He's absolutely awesome. I can tell you there is a better way. And it's the way that Jesus has provided for us. In Romans 10, 13, it says, Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever, that means every one of us, we're all whoevers. will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And my question to you is this. Will you call on him? I've explained it in the time we have as best I can. It's probably not a perfect explanation, but I hope it's giving you enough information to understand why he came and what we need to do and what our response should be. Don't sit on the fence any longer. Some of this might be new to you. Some of this you might have heard before. But I'm urging you today. You don't, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Why don't you make the choice today and call upon the name of the Lord? I want us just all to order bow our heads while we're here. Many, most of you here, I'm looking around. As most people here, I know, I, I know you've done this. But let's, for the sake of those that I don't know here, there may be one, even just one person that's here today that hasn't uh, hasn't called upon the name of the Lord, hasn't accepted what Jesus has done and paid for on the cross. Well, it's your day, friend. It is your day. You're in the right place. God loves you, and He wants. To come into your life today. But you've got to, like the free gift, you've got to accept Him. You've got to call on Him. Just keep every, every head bowed, please. Just want time for the Spirit of God to minister in this place. As I say, if you're feeling a conviction in your heart, that's not, that's, that's not you. If you're feeling maybe a little bit uncomfortable, that's the Holy Spirit convicting you. Drawing you. Saying, I love you. I love you. The Bible says, I stand, Jesus says, I stand in the door and knock. If any man would open the door, I will come in. We've got to open the door. Will you be prepared to open the door of your heart today? Will you be prepared to acknowledge that you need forgiveness? Surely you can see that you've done things wrong, you'd like to be forgiven. I don't think that's too hard. Will you acknowledge your need of forgiveness? Will you believe what I've been saying? That Jesus did die on the cross for your sins and he rose again believe the witnesses that have been down through history that we've read about that he is alive today, are you willing to turn away from everything you know to be wrong some things you might find hard to, I'm talking about a changing attitude, are you willing to turn away from everything you know to be wrong and will you receive him as your Lord and Saviour by surrendering control of your life to him, you know he loves you more than you love yourself, his plan for your life is better than your own plan why don't you connect with your Creator who loves you, who knows you, who wants the best for you, who's for you. He's a good God. The Bible says He's for us, not against us. He's come to give us a hope and a future. Don't try and do life on your own. You may have a measure of success, but you'll never fully be fulfilled and satisfied and achieving meaning and satisfaction in life unless you receive Jesus into your life, because that's the way He's designed it. Your Spirit is is dead without him. Become alive, really alive, alive in your spirit. I want to give everyone a chance to do that now. I want to ask if there's that you today, would you be prepared to call on the name of the Lord? Keep everybody eyes closed. But if there's just someone here who wants to do that today, I'll ask you just to raise your hand. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to make you say anything. I, after the service, I want to give you something. I want to talk to you. But other than that, it's between you and God. It's just between you and God. It's no one else's business. It's between you and God. If you haven't done this before, and you're here and you're hearing these words, I'd encourage you today. Call upon the name of the Lord. Become born again. Is there anybody here? Just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. Please, this is important. This is the most important day of your life. And maybe you have done this before, but you've been away from God, and you really know that you that you you know you're not right, really, that you've sort of. Accept some of these truths, but you've been living life for yourself. You're not fully surrendered to him. Well, he's a God of second chances. You know that? He's a God of third chances. If you're genuine, he wants to adopt you and accept you back into his family. He wants to embrace you like the prodigal son. Come back, my son. He's not going to count the things you've done. He's so gracious. Always willing to forgive. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If that's you, raise your hand today. Please. Please. Make sure your life's right with God. If you haven't done this before, I'm looking around the auditorium. There's a lot of people here I don't know. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Don't resist Him. Receive Him. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you so much. Thank you, Father. Just while our, our head's about, I want to Just say a prayer. And I just want everybody to say this with me, even though you've said it before and you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe just for that one person that's here. It's between them and God. But I want to lead you in a prayer. If you say this, friend, from the bottom of your heart, if you really mean it, I guarantee, by the time we finish this simple prayer, you will be saved. You'll be born again. You'll be heaven bound. You'll be forgiven. You'll be restored in a relationship with Jesus Christ, with your Father, with your Creator. Let's say this together dear Jesus I acknowledge that I've been living my life for myself I acknowledge that I've been living my life and I have broken many of your laws broken many of your- please forgive me and help me to live my life for you help me to live my life for you I believe you died on the cross to take the punishment for everything I've ever done wrong. I believe you rose again to give me new life. Again. I now turn away from everything I know to be wrong, away from everything. and I surrender my life to you. Render my life to you, and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that I'm now completely forgiven and born again. Help me to know you and to live a life that pleases you. To live a life that. Amen.